Happy Mother's Day. It is Mother's Day. Mother's Day is a great day. Uh, mother, everybody's got one. Not everybody knows their mother. You know, a lot of people never meet mom. Not everybody likes their mother, unfortunately. But I want to say this. Everybody wants to love and be loved by their mother. Most of us have known, loved, and appreciated uh, our mothers. Uh, other than the first two people that God created, everybody's had a mother. Even Jesus had a mother. Uh, even if you're conceived in a test tube, you have a mother. I had a mother. I loved her very much. She's been with Jesus for 20-something years now, but I love, I love the mother of my children. I love the mothers of my grandchildren. Uh, moms are wonderful people. Moms who invest their lives in their children are wonderful people. When God created those first two people, he had a plan for every family. One man would marry this one woman, and they would get along <laughs> with each other, and the two of them would have children, and they would share equally in the raising and the development of those children. And in the process, they would care for the whole earth. Piece of cake, right? <laughs> who couldn't do that? Well, we can't. Uh, then those first two people decided they knew better than God, and the rest is the history of life on this sinful, broken planet of ours, so that family doesn't always go the way that we want family to go. And even when it does sort of go the way we want it to go, which is one, one, one man, one woman raising children to successful adulthood, serving and loving God, there are problems, ups and downs, highs and lows, victories and defeats, joy and sorrow, and that's what it's like to be a mom. You know, ups and downs, victories and, de and, and defeats, highs and lows, the greatest joy imaginable, the greatest sorrow imaginable. That's what moms do. That's what it's like to be a mom. Hardest job on the planet. Being a dad, kind of being real close, but being a mom, hardest job on the planet. Now, I'm not a mother, and there are certain things I can't know about being a mom, so I take my inspiration this morning from a mother. No, she's not in the Bible. She's actually a modern mother. She's still alive. Her name is Nancy Ortberg. She's an author, speaker, church staff person, mother of three, wife of a guy by the name of John Ortberg, whom, you know, we've done some of his Bible studies. He's a pastor and author and all kinds of stuff. I haven't read her books, but uh, I, I have the title of a couple of her books, Looking for God, An Unexpected Journey Through Tattoos, Tofu, and Pronouns. I I, I seem like you got to read that book. I'm going to have Jean read that for me, and then she'll let me know what's going on. And <clears throat> another book called Unleashing the Power of Rubber Bands, Lessons in Nonlinear Leadership. That, look, that sounds a little bit more complicated, doesn't it? But, but some of you mothers would identify with a statement that Nancy made to her husband right after the birth of their first child. She looked at her husband, and she said, I would kill for this child. And her husband, pastor, you know, Pastor Ortberg, uh, said, you mean you would die for this child? No, I don't mean that. I mean, I would kill for this child because if I died, she wouldn't have a mother. You know, so I, I, can you, you can probably identify with that. Early in this millennium, uh, Nancy was on the staff of a big church in, uh, near Chicago called Willow Creek Community Church, and she was asked to prepare something for Mother's Day. And she did, and she entitled it The Jekyll and Hyde of Motherhood. And it's become the heart of a lot of talks that she does. You can, you can search this, put it in your search engine and listen to her. Uh, you would enjoy it. But The Jekyll and Hyde 
of motherhood. Obviously, she's referencing Robert Louis Stevenson's book, The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And it's about the complexities of science, but, but more about the duplicity of human nature. You know, that there's more than one person who lives within each one of us. Of course, Dr. Jekyll is that kind, well-respected, intelligent scientist, and he's meddling on the dark side of science, and he's trying to find this other person that lives within him, and I think he comes up with a potient that helps that happen. I, I don't remember that much about it, but, but what we do realize when we read that is that we all have a battle that goes on within us. There's someone else, the, the good, good person is what, what we like everybody to see, but there's someone else living within us. I tell everybody here recently, I'm especially aware of this, there is a grumpy old man who lives inside of me. I don't like him, but he gets out every once in a while, regardless of how I try to keep him stuffed on the inside, he gets out and he says something that embarrasses me or he does something that embarrasses me. And then I stuff him back inside again but he's there and I know about it. And, and, and Nancy Ortberg applies that idea to motherhood. You know, that there's two sides to motherhood. There's that gentle, pure, perfect side and there's that frazzled, watch out or I'm liable to hurt you uh, side of motherhood. Here's her introduction. Let me read a little bit of what she had to say. Before I had children, she said I worked full time. I had a job that required professional dress some ability to organize things, a briefcase and appointments. While I wasn't turning the medical community on its ear, I enjoyed what I did. She's very modest in that, by the way. She happened to be very successful in her job. But I noticed one thing as I drove between appointments. Moms were everywhere. I would notice them in their sweatpants, pushing strollers and carrying babies. When I drove by parks, I would notice them pushing kids on swings and chasing squealing toddlers. When I stopped at McDonald's for lunch, I would see moms sitting together with their children, having what looked like very wonderful conversations with the older ones and playing patty cake with the younger ones. It stirred in me a longing that said, I wish I could be doing that. A transformation occurred in me with the birth of my children. I traded in that professional look for sweatpants. I find myself at the park with my children, looking at working women and thinking, I wish I could do that. You know? <laughs> Nancy certainly illustrates the conflict in moms, right? In, in modern moms, that, that there's this, these children that I love so much and, and then I like to get away from them uh, every once in a while. I wish I could do that. But that wasn't her main point. You know, this, this duplicity of, our, of, of human nature uh, goes a little farther than that. So let me read one more thing from her. But the transformation went deeper than trading my business suit for a pair of sweatpants. There was something else going on when I had children. I knew my life had been invaded by God in a way which I would never be the same. With the birth of each of my children, and she had three, there emerged from within me this person, a person whom I liked very much, this loving, caring, nurturing woman. And I watched her amazed. Um, and it is, you know, I, 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 I've never been a mom, but I'm a dad. I remember watching my dad and, and, and being amazed at him thinking, 
you know, he's this kind of important guy. Everybody thinks he's an important guy, but, but he takes up so much time with me. You know, and I don't think I'd ever be able to do that, especially the older I got. It was soon to be all about me. And then I had my first, we had our first child. And, and I realized what it was like. You know, there's this person that comes out in you. And all of a sudden that kid there, that child is so important. So she said, this person that I like very much was coming out in me that I didn't know was there, this loving, caring, nurturing woman. But there was another transformation that occurred. Another person emerged who was not as attractive, who was frazzled and angry and impatient. You ever be like that, moms? Have you ever been frazzled and angry and impatient, screaming at the kids and yelling at the kids? As I was, in I was in amazement as I watched her. It was a sort of Jekyll and Hyde split. A creature that came out of me who was wonderful and a creature that I didn't know because both of them live within us. Now, these two natures within a mother teach us some things about all of us, all of ourselves. And that's what Nancy talked about. I'm talk about it just a little bit this morning. First thing is this, these two natures teach us this. Motherhood shows us that we all struggle. You see some people sometimes, they just seem to be floating along above everything. They're not, they're not. Everybody struggles, everybody has this battle that goes on inside of them. And, and, and in uh, the message that she gave, Nancy referenced the following passage from the book of Romans, and, and we've talked about this. I've referenced this recently, and we're, we can't read all these complicated verses, but picking a few, Romans chapter 7, verse 15. This is an inspired letter that the apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome, and he said this, Romans 7, 15, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I don't do. I do not do. But what I hate, that's what I do. I don't know what's going on. Uh, do you ever uh, catch your, your child, your son or your daughter doing something and you say, why did you do that? And what's their answer? I don't know. I don't know. That seems to be what Paul is saying there, doesn't it? I do not understand. I don't know what's going on here sometimes. I want to do the right thing and I end up doing the wrong thing. Then he goes on to talk about the struggle between good and evil that goes on within him. Even though he belongs to God and even though the Holy Spirit of God dwells within him. Uh, and, and one of the things he mentions is that the fact that we even struggle with wrong at all shows that God and his law are real within us. And you've probably struggled this, moms, in, in, in your motherhood uh, sometimes. You know, this struggle between being the person you should be and not, and, and not being that person. Here's something that Nancy brings out. She says, a good person does not unleash anger on defenseless children. If you come over to my house and you have a cup of juice and you spill your juice, I'm not gonna yell at you. But I yell at my children. The horror of sin and the pain that it inflicts, the hurt, the brokenness, the damage is sometimes irreparable. Now, Children, of course, need guidance. They need discipline. They need someone to guide them to God, to being good, productive citizens. When we are at our best, when mothers are at their best, 
But when we are at our best, we love our children above ourselves and we inconvenience ourselves for them, to teach them, to feed and clothe them, to assure their safety. What, what we parents will, will do for our children is, is we would never have thought about it before we actually had children of our own. They eat, you know, we feed them first, all those kinds of things. But, but there's that other side of us where we often yell at them uh, because they inconvenience us. We'll tolerate their rebellion, their sassiness, their, all their stuff that we shouldn't tolerate, but all of a sudden, you know, they inconvenience me, and I'll scream, yell at them. I understand that knocking your juice over thing. My mind goes back to a time when our boys were small and we went to a restaurant. We didn't get to go to a restaurant very often, and our older son, Todd's really not, never has been a really good sermon illustration, but Brad, our, my older son, he's always been the good sermon illustration. And uh, we get to the restaurant. What's the first thing he did? As soon as we sat down to this nice table, you know, lights are low, nice tablecloth, he knocks his tea over, you know, just all over the whole table. And of course, I was very gentle, very kind. Now, I think I, I lost it with him. He inconvenienced me. He embarrassed us. Uh, that particular situation. You know, that goes on. You know what I'm talking about? The best of us, the worst of us. And then, so the apostle continues with this in Romans 7, 21. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. I was right there waiting for me all the time. Verse 22, for in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But verse 23 says, I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Motherhood says there's more than one person living in there. And there's the, the person that follows God and then there's the person that says all about me. Motherhood shows that we all struggle. But here's another thing. Number two, motherhood shows that we all need God. Uh, we struggle, and that shows us that we all need God. In that same passage, the apostles writing to the church at Rome, he says this in Romans 7:24. What a wretched man I am. I have to tell you this. Again, I'm not a mother, but I'm a father. And I have felt exactly that way sometimes when I just lost it and yelled or, or, or did something that I realized hurt my child. And I, it was stupid. What I did was foolish so I, I kind of understand Paul says what a wretched man I am who will rescue me from this body that's subject to death Paul was acknowledging that as long as he was in this body he would face this conflict between uh, wanting to do the right and this indwelling principle of sin and that if he just tried to do it on his own he was going to lose at least most of the time his only hope for this life and for eternity was in Jesus. And so he says, verse 25, verse 24, who's going to rescue me? Verse 25, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. There's the answer. There, there's the one that delivers me from this, this conflict that goes on within me. I lose every time, almost every time. Anyway, Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then 
I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law and my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. It continues throughout life, but the rescue is in Jesus. We all need him. Every mom needs Jesus. Every person needs Jesus. Here's one of mine. How do we, how do we get him? How do we have this relationship? Well, my, I love the words of Jesus, and I love especially these words in John 5, 24, the Gospel of John, chapter 5, where Jesus said this, Very truly, I, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes, him who sent me has eternal life. Now, what is eternal life? Well, eternal life is you and God together forever. That's all it is. You trust in him, you believe in him. The Holy Spirit of God takes up residence within you and you, you say things he doesn't want to hear and you take him places he doesn't want to go and that, that sort of thing. But he takes up residence within you and he never leaves you. And when you leave, he's with you. When you're here, he's with you. You and God together forever, that's what eternal life is. Eternal life doesn't start when you get to heaven. Eternal life starts right here. Right now, Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him that sent me has right now eternal life and will not be judged. Not going to be called before God and said, eh, too much bad, go to the hot place. That's not going to happen. Will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. The apostle Paul, we've been reading from him, said this also to the church at Rome. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10, it's in order. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And that's kind of an all one thing. So it's like it's two, two processes, it's, it's all in one process. Salvation, eternal life, having a relationship with God through Jesus Christ comes through acknowledging to God that Jesus is God and believing in him. So we establish that relationship and, and then we try to include Jesus in every, every action of every day. Talk to him about what's going on. Know that he is present with us. Motherhood teaches us this. It teaches us, first of all, that we all struggle and that we all need God. And I'm sure if you're a mom, I'm sure that you've had those times in your life when you said, what am I doing? How did I get here and how can I get out? of this place motherhood shows that we all need god and one more thing one short thing here motherhood can reveal god's character moms there may be no better example on earth of god's unconditional love for us than the love of a mother for her child uh, yes you would kill for your child and most moms would also die for their children if that's what was necessary Here's how the Apostle Paul, and he writes to another church, uh, and this church is in a city called Thessalonica, which is northern Greece, and he talks about the relationship that he has had with them. It wasn't a relationship of, I'm going to beat you up, and you will do what I tell you, and all that kind of stuff. Here's how he describes it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. That's how we cared, that's how much we cared. Like a nursing mother, that was the best example he could find of love. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. That's how much we loved you. We gave you the gospel because in it is the power of eternal life, but we gave you ourselves. We just, we just sacrificed ourselves for you. That's what mom does. 
moms give themselves. My mother, I've said this a lot of times before, was not the stabilizing force in our family or in my life. That was dad's job, but mom's love was never in question. Here's what I always knew about my mother. I could go to her anytime, regardless of what was going on in my life, and, and receive compassion without judgment. But went to dad, there might be some judgment <laughs> in our family. It worked different in different families. There might be some judgment involved. But I went, I went to mom, there was nothing but love and compassion involved in her. <clears throat> Mothers teach us those kinds of things. A couple of just, it's hard, to, it's hard for me to do Mother's Day without reading a couple quotations. There's a, an author named Kate Samperi who says, a, a mother love, loves her children even when they least deserve to be loved. That's the way God loves us. God loves us even when we least deserve to be loved. Doesn't make a difference, still your child, right? Eric Fromm, well-known psychologist from the past, says mother's love is peace. It need not be acquired, it need not be deserved. I guess though that one of the quotations I like the most, and I'm not a, I'm not a fan of the Simpsons, by the way, but Homer Simpson made this statement. You couldn't fool your mother on the foolingest day of your life even if you had an electrified fooling machine. <laughs> Moms are just different, right? Moms are special. We love them. And, and there was a Mother's Day before there was a Father's Day, and Father's Day is not the big deal that Mother's Day is. So, Mom, let me say this to you. Number one, you are loved. Uh, your children love you. You may wonder about that some, sometimes, but your children love you. They may act selfishly sometimes. That's what kids do. They love you. We love you. And I want to say this. If your mother is living, be sure that today you tell her how much you love her. And if she's close enough to get your arms around her, hug her tightly and say, I love you, mom. There's nobody in the world like you. Moms are loved. Number, second thing I want to say is, mom, your influence is powerful. The influence you have on your kids is second to none. I was reading a, a study done by a biological anthropologist named Leslie Seltzer. She took a group of, of uh, seven to 12 year old girls. So Caitlin's in that category, seven to 12 year old girls, right? And uh, she put them on the spot in front of a panel in public. She gave them an impromptu speech to do and a series of math problems to do. Air hearts raced. Uh, there, there, there is a, a hormone associated with stress called cortisol. It, it just skyrocketed. And then once they were in this panic mode, she divided them into three groups. One group of stressed girls, one third of them were comforted in person by mom. Their mothers were present. And mom came and just gave them a hug and told them everything was going to be all right. One third, and I guess this, this, this was the, the group, you know, to uh, make sure everything else was on the level. Um, one third were left to watch an emotion-neutral 75-minute video. I don't know what that means. I just read that. And then the other third were handed a phone. On the other end of the phone was mom. And she assured them over the phone that everything was going to be all right. Here's the results. The children who got to interact with their mothers had virtually the same hormonal response whether they interacted in person or over the phone. 
They figured the ones that got the hug, but no, no, as long as mom was there for them. Same reaction. The girl's levels of oxytocin, often called the love hormone, and strongly associated with emotional bonding, rose significantly, and the stress-marking cortisol washed away. All because mom put their arm around her and said, don't worry, I love you. Everything's gonna be okay. I don't care if you've got that math problem right or wrong. I don't care if you stumbled over that word or not. I love you, everything's gonna be okay. Mom, your influence is powerful. And you know this, mom, you are not perfect. Now, I, 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 I say that because we, we try to be, right? We want to be. You're not perfect. You have not gotten it all right. You will not get it all right. We are imperfect human beings. Now, your kids may love you so much that they think you're perfect. But remember, no one is perfect. We all struggle to do the right thing. So one more thing. Mom, realize that you need God. Everybody needs God. Realize you need God. You can't be the best mother without his power within you. Trust him. Trust him as Savior. We talked about that. Spend time with him daily. Talk to him. People think I'm crazy. Well, that's okay. Uh, I, I talk to God all the time, Gene. He accuses me of talking to myself. Uh, spend some time around godly people uh, and uh, in church or small groups or whatever, uh, you need his presence in your life. Try to do it on your own. But the worst thing in the world is that lonely feeling of it's all up to me. And if I don't get it done, it's not going to get done. That's a lonely feeling. You can do that on little jobs, but there are things that overwhelm you. So he's the one you need. Here's what we're going to do. Uh, I'm just going to pray a prayer of blessings on the mothers who are here. And then uh, kids are going to come in. We've got these flowers. We're going to try to streamline the process a little bit. Here's what we're going to do. If you have a child who is here, they're going to bring you a flower, Mom. And they're going to say, I love you, Mom. Okay? Uh, then we're going to take the flowers to the back, and there's another gift. <clears throat> and every lady who's here as you go out, gets a flower and a gift every not just mothers but every lady who's here is going to get a flower and a gift at the door okay but to start with after we pray kids are going to come in from the back <clears throat> and some of you kids aren't kids but your mom is here and we're going to have an opportunity to uh, uh, give these flowers out and um, Larry and Lois are going to work with us on on doing that let's pray father <clears throat> thank you for mothers Jesus had a mother. You chose to come to this earth through a normal birth process. Thank you for my mom and for her love and her commitment to me. Thank you for every mother who's present here. And I ask you, Father, to lay your hand on each one who is here. Encourage each mom. Whatever they might be struggling with today, encourage them. Give them special strength and wisdom to make the right kinds of decisions. Let them know today that they are loved by you as well as by their children and other people who are around them. Thank you, Father, for being present here with us today. In Jesus' name.